Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Well, let's get into the book of Ephesians again. We're in chapter 2. We'll see where God leads us week by week until he tells me otherwise. But we're in Ephesians chapter 2. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. I'm probably not going to comment on them very much because that's where we left off last week. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into it again with you all on verse 11 or in verse 11, um, Ephesians 2.11. But let's read beginning with Ephesians 2 verse 1. Once you were dead, right, because of your disobedience and your many sins. That was all of us. We were dead to Jesus, we were dead to Christ and alive to sin and alive to the world. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Notice it doesn't say who can't obey God. It says who refuse to obey God. It's an act of their will. Verse 3, all of us used to live that way. Let's be clear on that, right? Scripture says we were all born into sin. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Verse 4, But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much, that what did He do? Even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace, God's empowerment, God's undeserved favor over you, God's mercy over you that you've been saved. Verse 6, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ. Aren't you excited about that? He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. That's good news. Verse 7, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of, <clears throat> excuse me, the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this, right? It is a gift from God. <coughs> Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. That's powerful. You believed. Your, your faith is considered and counted as righteousness. You simply believe. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Let's get into verse 11 now. This is powerful. And the Apostle Paul goes deep here. I'm not going to get into all of it. But here, here, here's where, what he starts by saying. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles. What is a Gentile? It's a non-Jew. I mean, who knows in this room if some of us have traces of Jewish blood. But for the most part, this is a Gentile church. We're just not Jewish for the most part, all right? Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision because it was commanded in the Old Testament and the old law, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Did you catch that? we got to be careful with the letter of the law because Scripture says the letter of the law kills. There are those who go, yeah, but this, this, this. The letter of the law, that's great. The apostle went on to say in the New Testament, the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. You need to learn the Word. You need to love the Word. You need to fall in love with God's Word. 
But the letter of the law, see, we learned that from the Old Testament. It just points out sin. Got to be able to balance that with grace and mercy, right, under this new covenant. Look at this. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. That's the past. We call that B.C., before Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world. Let's hesitate on this verse for a little bit. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Let's talk about citizenship tonight. What is so important about citizenship? What is so important about citizenship? Well, let me answer the question I'm asking, and that is you have certain rights, privileges, and benefits. When you're a citizen, um, for example, you're a citizen of the United States, it's powerful because there's a, par there's a spiritual parallel there, I believe. United the United States is the only place in the world where you can, actually, you can actually just become American. Regardless of color, background, where you were born, religious beliefs, you can become American. It's been referred to as the great melting pot. You can become an American. Now, I cannot become a German. Y'all with me? I, I cannot... I really can't. I can't try as I may. I loved Africa. We were there, man. I, I think there were some folks in here. Man, several folks in here, actually. Four people in this room that were with me in 2008 in Africa. What an unforgettable time. But try as we may, none of us could just make ourselves be actual. You say, man, well, culturally or genetically, okay. But I mean, an actual African or a citizen of Africa, you got to go through steps to get those benefits. I remember um, the following year after 2008, my Jen and I, we went to South Africa again. And, you know, they were at a place, um, even racially, where it was pretty tough still at times. I'll never forget, I was driving a little old Toyota that Pastor Levi used to drive, a little red Toyota. And there were some police on this road, and I was signaled to the side of the road by a police lady. And she was so angry, and I was like, I just knew right away, I knew I had the wrong color of face. I just did. It was pretty obvious, and I was in trouble. And I was, those that know me, man, in most places I drive like a grandpa, so it wasn't speeding. I was actually on the right side of the road, which over there it's on your left, the right side of the road, the wrong side of the road. But they pulled me over, and she said, you come here. What is your name? And I, I said, I got my license right here. That is not, and I, and I was already in trouble. So I just got out my license, handed it to the young lady. And she said, you cannot be driving here in South Africa with this license. I haven't really tried an African accent much, but it just kind of came out. And I said, I said what, do you, what do you mean? She said, this license is from the United States of America. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's all these chances for you to be a smart aleck. I'm like, no, I know where it's from. But she said, you're going to be in trouble. We're going to, and like, she was already hinting at taking me to jail. I wasn't a citizen of South Africa. There was already issues there. I said, no, ma'am, I've been told that I can use this license in most places in the world that have certain treaty agreements with the United States. No, you can't. And, and I just said, you know what? I'm so sorry. If what you're saying is right, ma'am, I'm sorry. I'll get in this car, I'll drive wherever you tell me to drive. Basically, I don't want any problems, right? 
And I don't remember exactly what happened, but her, her partner was more mellow, and we just went on our way. But I remember thinking, wow, had I been a citizen, it would have been different. It would have been different. And this is amazing, this verse, because it says, In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. See, Scripture says that God chose the people of Israel to be His people. He chose them to bring Jesus through them. Very special people. You say, man, yeah, but in the Old Testament, they were stiff-necked, and they were hardcore, and they were stubborn. Well, have we been any different? But God chose them, and God chose us. So here we are. You were excluded. Somebody say were. Were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. That's a terrible place to be. I know this room is full of believers. It's a Wednesday night. Everyone in this house has accepted the Lord Jesus. You love God. I believe that. But have you ever been in a place in your life where you felt like you were without hope? That's a terrible place to be, isn't it? For whatever reason. You say, man, I just, tomorrow doesn't look exciting to me. I, I, is it worth it? it can, I, can I get through here? But you know what? This is talking about our past. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But look at what the next verse says. But now, somebody say, but now. Oh, I love this. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. You have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Have you ever been far away from somebody you loved? It's troubling, huh? It's troubling. You say, man, they're on another continent. I know some of you have been in other countries. We have folks that served in the military in here, and maybe you've been far away from family, or family left, and they went to the East Coast or the West Coast. You felt far away, but can you imagine? It says, once you, you were far away from God, that is the ultimate relationship. You were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. Amazing. Let's go to the next verse. For Christ Himself, somebody say Christ Himself. You ever heard the saying, you want a job done right, just do it yourself? You've probably had to do that before. Man, give me that. Remember growing up, I'd be doing something, mom and dad would go, man, give me that. Let me show you how to do that. But no, I got it. You're fumbling it and dropping it and you can't do it and you're already nervous. And Give me that. Let me show you how. This verse says Christ himself. He showed up. God in the flesh showed up and said, I will shed my own blood. All this other sacrifice stuff. It's just a precursor to me. It's a prelude to what I can do with my blood. I can take away the sin of the world, not just hide it. You ever moved a rug in the house? You found a bunch of junk under it? Mm -hmm. Especially if you have kids in the house. It's just natural. I don't know why, but humans, especially human children, you want to do this short way. I remember, I remember seeing kids. I've see, I had experiences with this firsthand. I never understood this because this wasn't my thing. You'd think it would be with my personality, but it never was. Kids that would get their dirty clothes and throw them between the, the bed and the wall. I'm like, why would, you, why would you do that? The dirty clothes hamper is like not even half of the way across the house. Why would you cover it up? Why would you hide it? Why would you leave it there? Wouldn't that be a terrible feeling right now? Let's be real. 
you came to know the Lord a while back. Wouldn't that be terrible if we said, well, you know what? Man, you're with the Lord now, but we've got to sacrifice for you every year to just cover up your sins. We can't do anything to, oh, no, that'd be terrible now. Now that you are new covenant believers, this is we know who Jesus is. We know what he did. Wow, that, that was a messy thing, and it was all to point out that we are sinners in need of a Savior. But let me say this. We were sinners. Don't ever let anyone tell you, no, you're, I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I know what they mean by that, but I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm not, and I'm not going to confess that. I'm not. Say, oh, man, we're sinners saved by grace. Well, I was a sinner, but I'm saved by grace, yes, and it's not by my merit. It's by God's grace and his power, and I just believe. But now Christ himself has brought peace to us, verse 14 says. Brought himself. He did it. He came down and did the job right, didn't sweep anything under the rug. If you study Scripture, you see that Jesus fulfilled the law. He fulfilled ceremonial law. He fulfilled all of the religious rites and things they did in the Old Testament once and for all. Somebody say once and for all. Once and for all. I love this next part of the verse. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, wow, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. You can study in the Old Testament. God had to keep his people pure. They would actually not allow certain, certain Gentiles, not all of them. Many Gentiles could, could profess faith in the Jewish faith and actually go to synagogue or go to the temple. But if you've read in Ezra and Nehemiah, there were those that were not allowed to come into the temple. They were non-Jew, and their ancestors had done the Jews wrong. So they weren't allowed to go into the temple. And then you can look at this. In the Old Testament, God was a holy God, and He was there. His presence was there, was there without a mediator. Jesus had not come yet. He even had to give the people rules on if people have flaws, they can't go into certain parts of the temple. Physical defects. Wow. But now Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Look at verse 15. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. Now remember this though. See, some people, they get it twisted. I know that's, that's probably from the 90s. They get it twisted up. And they go, well, the new covenant means because of God's grace, I can just go on sinning. Well, it actually says specifically in Scripture, because of God's grace, we don't go on sinning. So Jesus did not put, do away with moral law, did he? He didn't. People say, well, the Ten Commandments, I mean, do we even have to obey those? Well, if you're walking in love, you're going you're gonna to do them by default. Hey, we're going to mess up. You guys know how it is. You mess up here. You mess up there. But look, you don't practice sin. You don't practice sin. Can I, let, me go, let me go off schedule here, Valeria. Let's see if you can pull this up. Let's go to 1 John 5.18. This verse came to me today, and I sent it to somebody. What does 1 John 5.18 say? Look at this one. I love this. I don't know who this is for on the live stream or in this house, but this is a good reminder for all of us. This is powerful. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. That's very clear. For God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. 
That is powerful. Because we know He came and He fulfilled the law. Let's go back to wherever we were in Ephesians. Where were we? 2.14? Ephesians 2.14. Yes, that's where we were. We know that He came and he, he, He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us from God's people. Now we're God's people. Look at verse 15. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. That's powerful. Scripture says he grafted us in. He made us part of that that vine, that plant that he had planted. Now look at this, verse 16. Together as one body... Christ reconciled both groups. Does anybody know what the word reconcile means? It means to make right something with another. Back in the day, folks did bank reconciliations. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. You can reconcile your bank bank statement every day live, real time. You can look online and go, pending. Oh, that hit the account, pending. I need to make sure. Okay. You can look on your account online. But back in the day, folks actually took out the checkbook and said what's cleared and what didn't clear. That sounds very foreign to a lot of us now, but reconcile means to make right. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of how? His death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. So let me tell you something right now. If someone claims to be a believer and hates the Jews, double-check them. Are you all with me? If someone claims to be a Jewish believer, they call themselves Messianic. They don't like the term Christian just because they've been persecuted with that name, even by the Nazis. The Nazis called themselves Christians as they exterminated the Jews. But if a Messianic Jew has a problem with Gentiles, then they need to double-check their faith too. Because this says, he, let's go back, let's go back to verse 16. This says, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. So you're going to run into Christians that hate Jews or professing Christians. I've seen that before. Oh man, the Jewish people, and they don't, they don't have a problem with Israel, but they're a Christian? Mm-mm. You better double check that. What have we been talking about lately? It came up recently. You'll know them by their fruit. Right? Folks say a lot of stuff, right? I think they've even said it in some well-meaning country songs. Talk is cheap. Right? Actions speak louder than words. One, one country song said, talk, talk is cheap, it ain't worth a dime. D-I-M-E. Dime. I don't know how you really spell that. Dime. But together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. So by default, you believe in Jesus, you're going to love the Jewish people. Man, we were in Israel a few years ago. I'm going to tell you right now, when you get the chance, go. If God opens up the door for you and you feel that's his will, you need to go and you will just, I know how you believers are in here. You will just cry your eyes out. We'd just cry. We'd go to one, one thing, and we'd go to another thing, and we'd just cry. And we were driving in the bus one time, and this will touch y'all's heart. And the, our tour guide said, oh, you see this wilderness out here? And it was wilderness, y'all. You think Hobbs is desert? It was wilderness. We were headed toward the Dead Sea area, and it was just dirt and blowing wind and mountains, desert mountains. And she said, you see this? 
this wilderness out here in that direction? She said, this is, this is the route that Ruth and Naomi took. And Jen just started crying. She was thinking of her and my mom. She said, oh my gosh, this is it. And then, and it was just all this powerful stuff. And you can't help but love them. And I, I thank God for my parents. They instilled this in us. They always said, hey man, the Jewish people are the original people of God. We got to be humble. We got to love them. And, and you, hey, you can meet some Jewish folks and they're hardcore. Some of them you're like, these are, the, these are the people of God. Oh, that was his plan, but they have a choice too. Those of you that keep up with theories and information and stuff, George Soros is Jewish, I believe. Quite an interesting fellow there. Some wonderful people in history have been Jews and some not so wonderful have been Jewish people. But that the fact remains, they are the people of God. They're chosen of, the chosen of God. And so we got to remember this. Our hostility toward each other was put to death. And, you know, it's simple for us as believers now. Not easy all the time, but it's simple. There's a difference, right? Sometimes it's, it's tough to do. But it's simple because now Jesus just said what in the New Testament? Just love one another, regardless of color, background, whatever. Just love one another. And if you love one another, you'll fulfill the whole law. Those Ten Commandments, those will be no problem. You just love people. Let's go to verse 17. He brought this good news, or the gospel, right? He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Wow. That's powerful. Verse 18. Now all of us, somebody say all of us. All of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of whom? Because of what Christ has done for us. Blessed be the name of Jesus forever. Verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. Let's stay on this verse a moment. You are members of God's family. Now, I'm excited and proud to be American born. But beyond that, I'm a citizen of heaven. Before I told my Bible study last night, before I am even a sinner. Before I am Matthew I. Senna, I am a believer. Uh, above any political affiliation or whatever, I am a believer and I believe the word of God. Okay, let's make that clear. I'm a believer before I am anything. But man, it would have been cool to have been naturalized whenever that was. They had some folks being sworn in as citizens the other day. I don't know when they recorded it, but the president was there with them. Can you imagine you get sworn in to be a citizen and say, yeah, well, the president was at my swearing in. That would have been cool. But it's great to be an American citizen. But beyond that, can you imagine being a citizen of heaven? You have all the rights and privileges that God has promised in his word. And this blows away citizenship anywhere else on the whole planet. God's promises are beyond anything. Now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members, members of God's family. Verse 20. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. He holds the whole thing together. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple. Wow. For the Lord. Verse 22. And this is where I'm going to end for tonight. Verse 22. Through him, you Gentiles, once again, 
are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. I always hate it when people just take parts of scripture and they don't live the rest and they just kind of throw stuff around. And it, it reminds me of what a, a man of God years ago said. He said he knew someone who wasn't even living right, but they were quoting scripture. You know how scripture is a, it's a sword when you speak it, right? And I love that Pastor Joel said, hey, he said he, he told them, hey, quit, quit quoting the word. You don't even know what you're talking about. That, that's going to cut you. Put that down. You don't even know how to use that. Because y'all know how it is. People that aren't, have never gone to church, you know the verse they know? You can go and talk to a hick somewhere, a hillbilly, or somebody in the hood even, and they don't even go to church, and they'll say, you know, you know a woman needs to submit to her husband. That's the verse they know. Or they'll give you another crazy verse and say, you know, God, and they're living like the devil. And here's another favorite verse. They'll say, God is love. Like, dude, put that down. You're going to cut yourself. The sword of the Spirit is sharp and two-edged. Man, it'll cut you up. Be careful. You don't know how to handle that. Now, here's what I'm saying. I've bumped into people before and said, you know, and they're not serving God. They don't know God any more than, I'm telling you. And they'll say, you know, your body's a temple. You've heard people say that, huh? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm waiting for them to elaborate. I'm like, well, what do you mean it's a temple? What it's a t- I mean, you, they don't even know how, there's like, you just got to take care of it. It's a temple. I'm like, what, to put hay in? Milkshakes? Well, a temple to hold what? But see, through him you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Scripture says we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Scripture explains Scripture. Say, man, well, why do I got to take care of my body? I'm on my way to heaven because this is all you have until we go to heaven, and you don't want to be miserable in it. Got to do your best, man. And I know some of you have, been, have had surgeries. You've been through some stuff. You have pain in your body sometimes, and you had to take medicine or whatever. I understand. But all in all, take care of what God gave you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in it. You're not just a body. But you got to take care of what God gave you. And it's so important. So important. And you know what else? Let me remind you tonight as I close this, this Bible up and I, we, we end in prayer. Let me remind you of something. Always look for the full counsel of God's Word. Don't ever create a pattern of thinking or a doctrine just on one verse out of context. Read through and understand. Get multiple verses on subjects. Understand what's going on. Even understand in the New Testament who the Apostle Paul was writing to and why. Understand historical background. Look into that and say, man, that's homework, Pastor Matt. I know, but you want to understand historical context. Did you know there's plays on words that Jesus made that don't quite make sense to us because we're Western, we have Western mindsets? But in the original languages, there were all kinds of things going on in there. Oh, this, don't get me wrong, this is enough to take care of you the rest of your life. This is more than enough to ever absorb God's Word. But what I mean is, do your best to understand it. We'll get into that more this Sunday about reading and studying God's Word. But always seek to understand. You say, man, I don't get that. When you sit down to read, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Ask Him to help you. And let me say this again, for those joining us on the live stream tonight, for those in here, and those on the audio after the fact, the audio recording, get you a Bible you understand. Make sure you always have a Bible, a hard copy Bible, that you understand and you're comfortable reading, you're getting something out of. Because King James is not for everyone. Okay? It's just not. And that's fine. 
Some of you are just like, no, I've read King James all these years. I get it. That's great. Praise God. I don't, I don't even do my daily Bible reading in New Living Translation. I mean, in King James. I do my daily Bible reading in New Living Translation as a whole because I teach and preach out of it. It's not my favorite translation. It, my favorite is English Standard Version or New American Standard Version. But it's very clear. It's pretty accurate and good, and it's just powerful. And if it's understandable, then what? You can move on. You know what Scripture says? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. People just don't know their rights and privileges. Just like Americans don't know anything about the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. They don't know about the laws. They don't really know. In the same way, believers are like, it says that? I didn't know that. I know, and that's terrible. You ever been in one of those situations? You're like, wait, I didn't know we could do that. And you're like, well, it's too late. The offer's over. You ever found a coupon at the house? $50 off? Me and my wife, over the years, I'm like, wait, what? She goes, it's expired. I go, we didn't even know. Well, I, I didn't know. It's too late. We used to tell teachers that in school. Huh? What if we didn't know? It's like, good for you. We're moving on. What if I didn't know? You didn't, sorry. Do extra credit. Do something. You got to, no, I don't want to stand before God one day and go, oh, Lord, I just, man, I didn't know. He says, man, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Oh, Lord, but I didn't, man, I didn't know you, I didn't know you promised that. He said, no, yeah, it was right there. Chapter and verse, you know, it's there. The beauty even now of the English language, we have so many translations. We are so far ahead of the rest of the world with translations. English, it's crazy. Dozens of translations. You can just take your pick. Pick one you understand, all right? Get into the Word like never before. Let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, I plead the blood of Jesus once again over these faithful people of God. Men and women of, of God in this house and those tuning in to Facebook Live, Lord God, the live stream, I just thank you, God, that your plan, your purpose and design for us is not over yet, God. Our call has just begun. I don't know what this fall holds. I don't know what January holds or next year or this, this, this uh, fall season, God, or, or the next few years. I don't know exactly, but I know you are faithful, God. And I know you keep your word and your promises to a thousand generations. That's forever. That's forever. Now, Lord, speak to us as we get into your word. Speak to us as we commit to know your word, God, and remember it and understand it and use it. Lord, give us opportunities to share our faith. Even if it's something simple like, hey, I promise I'm going to be praying for you. That's sharing my faith. Or inviting someone to church. Or telling someone, you know what? Because of what God did, I love you. Or, you know what? I forgive you. That's sharing our faith. We don't realize it. That's showing our faith by sharing our faith. Living it. Lord, I thank you for the word tonight. I thank you for your plan, your purpose, your design, your timing. Lord, we don't understand it all, but we know you're faithful. Lord, you asked Job in the book of Job, you said, where were you when I laid the foundations of all of this? <laughs> there are times, Lord God, where I feel like Job, where I just want to put my hand over my mouth. Because I don't know what you have planned, but I know it's something good. I don't know it exactly, 
But I know Scripture says we have an expected end. We know how the story ends, that we will be with you in heaven one day. But Lord God, help us to trust you and honor you and praise you. When we go through things we don't understand, God, we can't figure it out in our own wisdom. We just can't, Lord. But we know that you're good. We know that you're faithful. We know that you'll never lie. And things aren't always what they seem, Lord God. I've been in situations where I thought, Lord, how, how could this happen? And it turned out to be for my amazing benefit or for the benefit of someone else that I've been praying for. And I couldn't get it at the time. Why? Scripture says, we as humans, we look on the outward. Lord, reveal to us your plans by your Holy Spirit and continue to draw us to you, to your word. Lord, that we, we would be people of prayer and people of the word. We thank you, Father, and we're going to keep showing up. We're going to be available to you and for your kingdom to serve you. We're going to be available to those we love. We're going to be available, Lord God, to share our faith. We're going to be available as believers in this society, Lord, because we are the salt of the earth. We're not going to lose our flavor while we're here. Salt preserves. Salt can cure a wound Salt seasons and makes things better. Lord, we are the salt of the earth. We're salt and light, and we commit to honor you. Lord, forgive us in Jesus' name of any, any mistakes we've made lately, any sins we've committed accidentally, or anything, any area where we've disobeyed you. Just cleanse us, Father. Beatrice had us praying that at the beginning of worship, Lord, but I just want to reiterate that. Cleanse us, Father, in Jesus' name. We always want to be right with you. We're not worried about losing our salvation. All of a sudden, you're just mad at us. No, Lord God. But in our heart of hearts, we don't want to practice sin. And because we don't practice sin, we are of you, Lord God, and the wicked one cannot touch us. 1 John 5, 18. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I break every attack of the enemy over my church family, over the flock of Jesus here right now in Jesus' name, over your people, this church congregation, Lord, in the English and Spanish service, everybody that attends this church, Lord God, I break every attack and plan and design of the enemy against him, and I thank you, Lord, that we're free, we're protected, and you're turning everything around for our benefit. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to your purpose. We trust you. We thank you tonight, God. Because you're good, you're faithful, and you've never failed us. You have a track record. We thank you, God. We praise you. In Jesus' name, somebody said, amen. I know, I know God is with you because he said he would be with you. If you would tonight, we're going to go ahead and pick up our tithe and offering. If you need an envelope, go ahead and raise your hand, and we will see to it. Anybody in the house? Envelope, all right. Remember, you can text to give at 45777. Follow those directions on the screen. Or you can give at church or give at the church office or go to kingsgatehobs.com. Click on the menu and go to give. Let's agree in prayer tonight. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We plead the blood of Jesus over what we give, what we've given. Lord, all of our seed is going into the ground to reap a harvest. We give because it's part of the covenant. We give because it's what you've commanded us to do. We give because we need the blessing. We call it forth tonight in Jesus' mighty, matchless and perfect name. Amen and amen. Go ahead and bring your tithe and offering up if you can, right where you are. 
God bless you. For those of us, or for those of you that joined us on the live stream tonight, we love you, and we'll see you again soon. You're always welcome to join us in person or online. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.